Hey, good morning again. Let's open our Bibles, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Uh, we, we talked uh, last time, just a little bit of review, of some of the things that we've looked at where uh, John says to test the spirits. And he's speaking about false teachers as well. And, and, then he, and then he says, you know, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's an important thing for us to know. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Uh, I talked the last time, uh, two weeks ago, about this question of who are we listening to. Because there, there really are a lot of voices in the world, but really two main voices. The world or the word. And the spirit of God or the spirit of the world. And, and uh, we, have to, we have to make choices. I loved, uh, you know, uh, John Del Ritchie's, uh, uh, you know, teaching about having a word view, that our worldview would be shaped by God's word. And that's, that's so important. But, of course, we need to know what God's word says before that can actually be true. But the world around us is, is not just the, you know, the trees and the dirt and everything else. It's this system, this, uh, this godless system. And that's, I think, the key to it, that it's godless. And it's governed by the God of this world. They think there's no God, you know, you know but, but he... He really, you know, wants to be in charge. He wants to be God. That's his whole thing. He wants to take the place of God. And as Ironside said, you know, they're trying to make, the world is trying to make itself happy without God. And that's just not possible. There's no fulfillment. And as the statement says, you know, there's a, there's a, place inside of us that unless it gets filled with God, we're going to be empty forever. So who are we listening to? That's that question. We need discernment and we need to watch. We need to watch at the ear gate. Who are we listening to? Who are we paying attention to? Now today, we, we're going to look at verses 7 and 8 and we, we kind of get back to uh, love you know, he's talking about these different things, you know, testing the spirits, battles and warfare. And then he gets back to this concept, this, this, this uh, subject of love. I, I find it kind of fascinating. There was an old, there's an old chorus to this. Anybody remember the old chorus to this? Is there anybody at all that remembers this except me? One. You want to sing it for us? Val wants to sing it. You do? Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Is that amazing? I learned that back in the 70s, and it's still, that's what the power of music and the word together. Amen. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget these verses. Now, it's in the King James Version, but that's okay, right? He that loveth not. Do you loveth one another? This guy, John, let's read it in, the, in this version as well, just before we get going here. John... 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This guy, you know, we've been looking and, and listening to John the Apostle for a long time. Uh, what are the other names for John? Anybody know? The one Jesus loved. That's, a, that's what was said about him. In fact, uh, he, he wrote those words. We'll talk about that in a second. What else do they call him? John the Beloved. John the Beloved. And so this guy, John, when you think about him, he's always talking about love. That's, it's like he was like consumed by it. He would talk about other things. He talked about, you know, battles and warfare and, and some of the things of this life, the Antichrist. He talked about a lot of stuff, but he always got back to love. Like, don't you have anything else you can talk about? Uh, there was a guy that, uh, that, that would, would go around and talk about, you know, the, uh, about Jesus and, and one particular aspect of him. And he said he had a one-string guitar. And, and that's kind of, his name was Gail Irwin. He had this one-string guitar. John, if, there, if John has a one-string guitar, it's about love. In the... In the uh, letter of 1 John, he uses the word 43 times. In this section, we're looking at here now from chapter 4, verses 7 through the first part of chapter 5, he uses the word 32 times. It's like he's consumed by this. In all of his writings, he uses it like 100 times. Something about love grabbed a hold of this guy. We have, to, we have to acknowledge that and think about this for a minute. Uh, as as uh, Bruce pointed out, uh, uh, it says in the Gospel of John five times, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, John wrote that, okay, but he never says that it's him. He never acknowledges that he was the one that wrote the book of uh, the Gospel of John. But we know that it was him. You know, when you, when you study it, you see it was, that was him. So you say, well, you know, why is he talking like that? Has he just got, got some kind of ego trip? Like, I'm the guy that Jesus loved. I'm the guy, you know, I'm, I'm special. And, you know, some kind of arrogance or, or some kind of conceit. Or, we've talked about this before, was he just so consumed, so convinced that this love that, that, that Jesus had for him, he was just like completely transformed and changed by it. That's what I think. When you, when you read about it, John was the guy at, you know, when they, when they would recline at table. They didn't eat around a table like you and I do. They reclined around a table. And he was the one, and it was kind of laid out in, you know, uh, a certain fashion, but he was the one that was like would be right in, in front of where Jesus was, and he could like lean back right against the heart of Jesus. He was right there. John, though, when you when you think about who he was, you say, well, he was just a loving guy from you know day one. That was just who he was, but it, that's not true. He was like a rough and tumble fisherman. They called him and his brother the sons of thunder 
Because, you know, they wanted to call down fire from heaven to consume people that, that didn't agree with, you know, what, whatever the situation was. So you say, well, maybe he wasn't like that in the beginning. But he was certainly transformed in, by the love of Jesus and, and something happened in his life. And, and I have to ask myself, and, and I think we should all ask ourselves, is, is that true of you and me? Have we truly been transformed by the love of Jesus? Do we, do we really know how much he loves us? Paul prayed for the Ephesians, you know, that they would, would know how, you know, wide and long and high and deep the love of God is in Jesus Christ. I don't know. I, 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 I think that we have a ways to go. I think, and, and I think part of the problem is that there's a, there's a battle. Again, this, who are we listening to? Do we, are we listening to what the Word of God says? Or are we are listening to the enemy who says, you know, God doesn't really love you. Have you ever heard that voice? Why would God love you? Look at you. I'm looking at you right now, and I... Never mind. But that's what the enemy says. He doesn't love you. How could he love you? There's nothing special about you. But isn't that what grace is? That he loves us. It doesn't have to do. It's not not based on how good we are, how much we do, how much money we give, and, and how many good things we do. It's not based on that. It's based on the heart of God that he just loves you. And I think John was just like, Blown away by the fact that Jesus loved him so, so much. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Have we been transformed or changed by that? I, I, I just can't, you know, get away from that. Paul the Apostle, we know, as I quoted what he said in the book of Ephesians, but he said this in Galatians, he said, uh, <clears throat> I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. Talk about a transformed life. He says, it's not even me anymore. It's, it's you know, Christ living in me, but it, it happened because he loved me and he gave himself for me. He gave himself for me. That sounds pretty personal, doesn't it? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I think every one of us who who have a relationship with God, we can say that. We can say that he loved me. He gave himself for me. Not just the whole world. He did give himself. God sent his Son. He loved the world so much, but... But Paul, it was very personal, very real to him. Getting back to this guy, John, again. uh, Back in the fourth century, there was a guy by the name of Jerome. Have any of you heard of him? And and he he was a scholar and he was a theologian and, and wrote commentaries and and uh, he translated the Bible into the Latin, and they used his translation for, for like a thousand years or something, the, the Latin Vulgate. Uh, but in his commentary on the book of Galatians, uh, Jerome talks about John 
He called him John the Evangelist when he was really, really old. And I've shared this story before, but I, but I looked it up to, found, to find out where it came from, and it came from Jerome here, again, back in the 4th century. And, and John used to be, <coughs> excuse me, he used to be carried into the congregation <coughs> when he was very old. His, <coughs> excuse me, his disciples would carry him in, and he was unable to say anything except little children love one another. That's all he would say. I reckon he probably looked kind of like this. We're going to get a new projector. This is kind of blurry, isn't it? And that's all he would say. And, and, and they would say to him, you know, he would, he would they'd bring him in, and, and this is in Ephesus. He'd bring him in. Every time they brought him in, he would say the same thing over and over again. That's all he had to say. Little children love one another. Finally, they got so tired of it, they, they asked him, you know, why do you always say the same things? Why do you repeat yourself? Why do you, why do you say this over, over and over? And he, he, says, he says, because it is the Lord's command, and if this only it is done, it is enough. If we would only get this, he, he said, it, it will be enough. This guy, he, he couldn't get away from this idea that we need to love one another. I read a, a scripture yesterday that said, uh, Paul was talking in Philippians, and he said, he said, <clears throat> I, you know, nevertheless, he says, it was good that you shared in my affliction, in my need. He's talking in that passage about how they helped take care of his needs, that he said, you know, I, I, I've learned how to be content, you know, with a lot or with a little bit, he said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But then he said, nevertheless, it was good that you shared in my affliction. There was love that took place there. And, and that word for good can be translated beautiful. And this is what John is talking about. Paul's talking about it as well. It's a beautiful thing when we care for one another, when we, when we uh, you know, love one another. This is what he said here in this verse, isn't it? Look at their... There in verse 7, uh, he says, Dear friends, the word is actually beloved. The best translation would be beloved. Let us love one another. It's kind of interesting because the, the, the language in, in this word for love is, the, is from that word agape. But those, the first two words in that verse are forms of that word agape. Loved ones... Love one another. Loved ones love one another. Loved ones love. So there's something about even the way John is talking about it here is that, that he's calling us to love one another, but also to he starts off by saying that we are loved. Loved ones love. Isn't that what the scripture says? We, we love because he what? First loved us. It's, a, it's an ongoing, the tense of the verb there for let us love one another. It's an ongoing thing, something that we do. But David Guzik said we love one another because we are loved by God and we have received that love. You know, it's, I don't know if I can use the word impossible, but for us to agape one another without knowing the agape love 
that God has for us is, you know, we, I don't think we can love in that, in that fashion, in that way, to that degree. Now, in the, in the New Testament, there are different words for love. Uh, three of them, uh, you know, I'll mention. In English, we only have one word, love, right? I love you. I love ice cream. It's just one word, and, and so we have to kind of figure it out, maybe from the context, you know, uh, what it is. But, but the, the Greek language has these three different words. One is phileo, which is like brotherly love. One is eros, which is like a physical love. And then this word agape is, is kind of elevated through the New Testament to, to a, a higher meaning than it ever had before. It's a kind of a God kind of love. And, and John is saying, you have been loved by God, and now you're called and commanded to have this God kind of love for one another. He goes on, we're not going to get to the, the other verses about this, but how it's, you know, giving up of oneself, sacrificing. It's a, it's a selfless kind of love. The love, that I think, that we know as, as human beings is more like you know, I love you because of what you can do for me. I love you for what I can get. This kind of love is kind of turns that around and says, I love you for what I can give you. I think we have to understand it's, it's kind of different than what, you know, I, I love ice cream. I love you. You did that for me. Oh, I love you so much. It's a supernatural love, and, and that's what uh, John was convinced and changed and transformed by. And John was saying that, that we also need to be uh, loving one another in this agape, supernatural, God kind of way. Pastor Chuck said, loving the lovable proves nothing. Loving those who love me is natural. Loving those who hate me is supernatural. That's agape love. Actually loving someone who actually hates you. When you look at the definition that Paul talks about in, in 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, let me read it again to you. I've read it before, but it's like what John was guilty of, just repeating himself over and over. Well, Peter said, you know, it's good for you that I repeat these things so that you can remember them when I'm no longer here. But 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love is patient. This is agape. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Boy, that's a hard one there. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. How many many of you can... Put your name in there and say, I am patient, I'm kind, that, that, that this kind of love is the kind of love that is flowing through your life and my life. This is kind of like beyond us, isn't it? 
I, I think that, that this is one of the things that John is talking about here. He says that love comes from God. Agape comes from God. Love is of God. It's from Him. It's not from us. It's not something I have naturally, normally. And I think John knew that. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. The standard, as I have loved you, as Jesus has, has loved. By this, men all, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another, agape. Paul said that we shouldn't owe anybody anything. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Something that we owe. And we're never, it's never paid off. Well, I loved him. I loved him last week and that's enough. I loved my, my wife, my husband, you know, a year ago and it, that, that's enough. No, this is a, a debt that's never paid off. Love one another. The continuing debt. Peter, if you want to know a guy who was transformed by the love of Jesus, Peter was one. And he says this, that we should have sincere love for your brothers. I think I had some of these up on the screen. He said, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Later on in the same letter, he says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So we see even in, in these two verses of Peter, one is that it's got to be sincere, it's got to be real, and, and also that it's, it's forgiving. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Sometimes, as I, I quoted from 1 Corinthians 13, we keep a record of everything. You did this to me. I, I could never forgive you for that. There's not a whole lot of agape happening in that, is there? Love each other deeply, for love covers over a multitude of sins. Okay, okay, John. We get it. Peter, Paul, we get it. But, but we can't do it because we don't have it. We have to be honest, uh, folks, don't we? We don't have it. We just don't. So we have to ask God for it. We have to understand uh, that love comes from God. That's what it says in this verse, chapter seven, uh, chapter four, verse seven. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. It comes from Him. Paul said it in Galatians five, didn't he? The, the fruit of the Spirit. What's the first thing he says? Is love, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruit of being a good person, the fruit of being a good Christian person. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our lives that, that's going to bring this love out. We need to surrender and submit to God and the Holy Spirit and say, love through me. Because I don't have it. Romans chapter 5 says that God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. 
We can't, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a bad excuse to say, I don't have it and I, so I can't do it when God tells us by his word that he's poured it into our hearts. So we have it, but somehow we're not tapping into it. We're not using it. We're not, we're not letting it flow through us. Why? Because we're so self-centered and selfish and, and all the rest of the, the battles that we fight against our own flesh and what I want and what I think. And God's saying, you know, I want you to just love. I, I just want you to forgive and love. Be patient. Be kind. Second Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, he's given it to us. He goes on to say here that everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. It's this kind of thing that something's happened in my life. I've been born again by the Spirit of God. God has given me a brand new life. Has been born of God and knows God. Has been something that, that, that has happened already to us, but this word for knowing God is a, a, in the present tense. Right now, I'm knowing Him. And, and that is really kind of where the love comes out of. It's, it's, it's having this relationship right now with him. Not I was born again in 1976. And that's kind of you know, where it all happened and it's all back there in the past. But knowing him is right here and right now. John says in chapter 3, we looked at it, we know that we have passed from death to life. We've been born again because we love but it's this growing knowledge, this, this, this knowledge by experience. Someone pointed this out in verse 8. Uh, he says in verse 8, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now when you compare that to verse 7, verse 7 said, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This one writer pointed this out. He doesn't talk about not being born of God. He talks about not knowing God. So is it possible, I think it is, that we can be born of God, we can be a truly born-again Christian, but not really have this knowing experience. We don't really know Him. We're not getting to know Him. We're not growing in our knowledge of Him. Not head knowledge, just it. We need to know up here, but it's got to get down to here, doesn't it? It's got to get to the heart, and it's got to get out of us as well. This relationship, this contact with the Creator, he, he sums it up uh, really, and I think this kind of uh, is, is the premise of what he's talking about. He says, for God, because God is love. If you are born of God, if you really know God, you will have some kind of love in your life, some kind of agape in your life. He says, because God is love. God is love in his very nature, in, in, in all of his actions, someone wrote. He is love. It's really seen in all that, that he is and in all that he does. Now, is that all that God is? 
Uh, that's just one facet of his character, of his attributes. There's so much more. You know, we've already seen it in 1 John chapter 1. God is light. God is holy. God is pure. God is spirit. John chapter 4. The scripture tells us God is holy. God is powerful. God is faithful. God is just. God is a consuming fire. But there's something about having a relationship with this God, this multifaceted, incredible, eternal God that changes us. It changes us. But if nothing's going on in my life, I wonder, am I really walking with him? Am I spending any time with him? Am I, do I have that kind of contact? Am I growing in my knowledge of him or not? Now, we've talked about this many times, and, and even in 1 John, he says, you know, that, that our lives will be changing, and, and we're not going to get to that perfection in this life, but I think there's got to be a, a continuum, a kind of a, a path of growth. I, I think sometimes we just need to examine our lives and see, like, what is going on in my life, in my walk, in my relationship with God. David Guzik, again, he said, love, it's, it's a valid test of, our, of true Christian faith. And it comes out of knowing God, a personal, experiential, daily experience of getting to know him better and better. He said this, and, and David Guzik, you know, he, he's written, you know, this massive commentary on the whole, you know, Bible and, and uh, studies. He says, true theology, and what does the word theology mean? the study of God. He said, true theology is not a dry, impractical course in doctrine. It is an exciting day-by-day experience that makes us Christ-like. If we truly know the God of the universe, the creator, the God of love, the God who is love, we, we can't help but, but, but be changed by him, be affected by him. Makes us Christ-like. So, John says love. Little children love one another. I I think he knew it. He experienced it. And it changed him. And and my my heart for myself and, and, and for each one of us is that that's what people see. In us, some kind of love that's beyond just human love. That they could say, you know, there's something about you. There's something that that you have that that's different. You care in a way that I just is not is not normal. You love God, isn't Jesus said it? You know, love God and and love one another. That kind of sums it all up, isn't it? But I'll be the first one to admit it's not, it's not in us. We have to get it from him by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, I know that this uh, message and what John said to the people and says to us through the, through the scripture, through the word, could be, uh, make us feel discouraged, but 
I think you have just the opposite. You want to encourage us to to submit and surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and that, that Holy Spirit that's poured out God's love. That Holy Spirit that has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Father, I can just say, help, help me, help us. I pray this place would be a place of love where we care for one another. And and it is a beautiful thing that we share in one another's affliction, needs, pressure, problems, trials. We don't just walk away and say, I was really sorry to hear that that's happening. But we enter in with each other. It's, It's what you did. It's what you want us to do. Pray this church would be a church of love and caring for one another, agape love. Pour out your spirit upon us afresh and new. Lord, I pray for Maybe someone uh, that's listening today that's never experienced the love of God and, and that Jesus poured out his life for you, that he loves you. Today, you, you can open your heart and receive that love. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I, I open my life, I open my heart to you, and, and I want that love. Please come in. Forgive me and wash me. In Jesus' name, amen.